0: This season is sponsored by Future Farm, the revolutionary meatless meat food company from Brazil. They're cooking up products which can match and exceed our juicy, meaty favourites on taste, texture, and sizzling flavour using only 100% natural ingredients. My favourite? There's too much choice. But if I had to choose, hands down, it would be the future meatballs and future mints in my classic lasagna dish. And get this, they're standing up for some pretty big things too, like reclaiming the Amazon rainforest back by fostering the movement towards GMO-free and deforestation-free products in place of those that are unethical and illegal. Definitely not just another plant-based brand, hey? Very up my street. The full Future Farm range is available now at Sainsbury's. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food podcast. I'm your host Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, industry insiders and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career and favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by Bettina Cambolucci-Bordi, the wellness guru and chef taking the world by storm with her wholesome and colourful cooking, recipes and all-round approach to life. Specializing in plant-based food, Bettina's culturally diverse heritage adds to her internationally inspired meals. As the founder of Bettina's Kitchen, the author of two cookbooks and boss lady of wellness retreats and chef academies, Bettina teaches the basic principles of incorporating plant foods and seasonality into our day-to-day diets. I'm excited to delve into conversation with this very inspiring lady. Bettina, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: How are you? I'm really good,
1: thank you. Very excited to be here. And yeah, thank you for having me. No
0: nice worries. to have a chat. Yeah, you know, how has the past year been for you? Because it's obviously, it's been a bit of a year.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been a bit of a year. Um, It's been it's been an interesting year hasn't it it's it's sort of gone up it's it's gone in waves I think when everything first happened um a lot of my work just fell off a cliff and (laughs) for quite a few months at least sort of I think first lockdown was the hardest for me from a work perspective just because it was Mm. so unknown and nobody knew what was going on um so yeah it's been it's been up and down but I am good. I'm great at the moment. I finished writing my third cookbook. Hey. <laughs> so that's one thing that's been birthed out of this whole situation. Um, so it's been a
0: productive year for you then?
1: It has in many ways and in many ways not. I mean the cookbook is about it, it's called Celebrate and it's all about big celebrations like Easter and Christmas and picnics and birthdays. Oh, cool all the like things that. we haven't been able to do for the past year. So okay. I found that quite tricky <clears throat> to write about and to recipe mm. test around. But anyhow, we're out of it and it's great and it's good. The sun is shining, it's coming out. The I've sun is the- shining. <laughs> the
0: sun is shining. Bettina, have you had breakfast today? I have, yes. What did you have?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I had some avocado with some olive oil and hemp seed and some leftover sourdough uh, that needed Very to be. similar
0: to my, my <laughs> breakfast today. Nice. <laughs> Mine was all leftovers, leftover avocado and other bits and pieces. So I want to take it back to your childhood. Um, You have, as far as I'm concerned, a very interesting, uh, culturally diverse childhood. You were born in Denmark, raised in Tanzania. Uh, Your parents are Norwegian on one side, Bulgarian, Danish on the other. Let's try and dissect this. I want to know, you know, what was food like when you were growing up? Who was cooking? What were you eating? You know, was food important to you and your family um, in each place that you were living in? Uh, Talk about some of the cuisines, kind of just give me the whole story. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Yeah, so I, I grew up in East Africa and Tanzania for my first 11 years. And then the next sort of set of, 10 to 11 years I lived in Sweden um my formative years so to speak and also yeah come from a multicultural background food was incredibly important growing up it was we would that sort of family that would travel and we wouldn't really go to museums we would always go to restaurants or food markets and that's how I remember my childhood quite obsessed (laughs) so there's it's there's no wonder that I'm working with food but Growing up in Tanzania, you I would go to the food market with my mum. And there wasn't supermarkets like here, so you'd go to sort of a fruit and veg market, you'd get all your stuff from there. Um you'd get things like there were small little stores where you could get things like cornflakes and UHT milk, so the long life milk which was really oh God, that was such yeah. a treat because yeah. uh, it didn't have all the bits in because the other type of milk that we would get was from this one farmer that my mum had found and I'd sit in the back seat with the whole sort of thing of milk <laughs> and oh, wow from that yeah basically a bucket of milk and then my mum <laughs> would make butter yogurt and obviously uh boil that milk but it always had bits in because proper milk it's sort of solidifies at the top and I was like oh Mm -hmm. I'd prefer Mm -hmm. the UHT milk which was a treat
0: (laughs) and Um, so why why were you in Tanzania in the first place so my dad worked in aviation for
1: Scandinavian Airlines uh and did for over 40 years and they decided to open up this company at the airport that would or wouldn't work and he ended up staying there for 14 years And And
0: so if you were eating locally, I mean, obviously, it sounds like your mother was incredibly hands on in terms of sort of getting milk and knowing how to then make it into, you know, butter, cream, whatever. Were you eating sort of local dishes as well? Or was she cooking quite Western food inside the home?
1: Um No, it's sort of it was it was very mixed because there's a big Indian culture in East Africa and in Tanzania. And also I went to an international school. So there was 60 different nationalities there when I was growing up and every single thing was celebrated. So if it was Diwali, Diwali was celebrated. You'd have lots of sort of international days where everyone brought their own food. So you'd get to really experience everyone else's culture. So it was amazing and incredible in in that sense. In terms of things like, yeah, we, we would have to make everything from scratch. If you wanted to have a pizza, you'd make everything from scratch. The tomato sauce, the dough. We had fishermen that used to come and knock on the door on a weekly basis to sell fish and seafood. In terms of sort of animal protein, my dad used to hunt, so I mean, it, super basic, but mm. that's that's how I grew up. And then moving to Sweden when I was eleven was an absolute culture shock. I mean, I, I remember, imagine. I remember going to the supermarket for the first time, and I was like, wow you've got frozen pizza and all you need to do is just put it in the oven you've got this and it's packaged and all you need to do is just put it on your sandwich this is amazing um so yeah from a food and cultural perspective it was it was like being dotted onto mars
0: (laughs) yeah i can imagine Give me some examples of like the dishes that you remember most from from this time, both in Tanzania and also in in Sweden.
1: From my childhood, a lot of, lots of fruits and vegetables. So still my favourites, like mangoes and papayas and stuff like that. Lots of seafood. Um, My dad always used to make pizza from scratch. My mum used to bake bread. My sort of, my birthday parties were quite, epic in the sense that my mum would make everything from scratch um so yeah lots of lots of different spices as well um lots of spices coming from zanzibar that is uh the mm. island right next door so lots of indian influences as well don't know if there's anything one specific but just a mishmash and a lot of different types of food and we traveled a lot as a family
0: as well what is what is tanzanian food
1: Uh, Tanzanian food. So ugali is sort of the national dish and it's like, it's cornmeal and it's made from, it's made from cornmeal and it's like a really thick polenta and it's white and it's, that is, it's like bread for us basically or bread for the Italians. So it's a vessel that you can use. And to scoop things up with, whether it's like a spinach stew or tomato and onions, or things like um, eggs, eggs with lots of onions in as well. Um, I remember having this dish as a child with these little sort of dried fish, dried salty fish that you'd yeah. that you'd um, make with onions and tomatoes and egg Ooh, things like delicious. that. Delicious. So, yeah, I think that's sort of, that's the staple. It's like
0: yeah. bread for Italians or for, yeah,
1: <laughs> potatoes
0: for us, I guess. You you mentioned that um, it was sort of quite at like basic level in terms of like your father hunting or the fisherman knocking on your door. So I'm assuming you obviously, your childhood was that you were eating sort of a full diet in terms of meat, product, fish, at what point did you start engaging or educating yourself with regards to to a plant-based diet?
1: I became interested in health, healthy, like health foods in my early 20s. But I didn't go plant-based, but I started becoming quite interested in things that were popping up, things like, I don't know, goji berries or... Anything that sort of was considered healthy or a superfood, I'd started becoming interested in. Um, I remember reading a book by Patrick Holford that sort of got me really interested in that type of stuff. But I didn't change my diet completely until my late 20s and when I started running wellness retreats. Um So I sort of banana slid into the world of wellness and started uh, running uh, retreats and then decided that I wanted to cook on them as well because food and cooking was a lifelong passion. Um, And I then decided to go fully vegan and gluten free. And I was fully gluten-free and vegan for a period of time of sort of six to seven years. And now I would consider myself more plant-based than vegan, um, meaning that I predominantly eat plant-based, but I do now include some animal products into my diet. So I wouldn't label myself as vegan.
0: Okay, so... For anyone that might get confused, what is the difference between vegan and plant-based?
1: So this is purely based on my opinion. I don't know. Okay. Uh, uh, vegan, I consider vegan being, you do it for the animals and for animal welfare completely. So you can be vegan, um, but as long as the product is vegan and hasn't hurt an animal, then that Goes, whereas i consider plant-based more you want to know where your food comes from and what the source of your oh, food okay. is so, so it's, it's not more of
0: like a mental it's more of like a yeah it's more of like a mental mindset rather than like the actual sort of like scientific medical or whatever you want to call it terminology of or like definition of what each one is
1: yes so i think that's for okay. me that is that's the case where plant-based it's it's more of where your food comes from i think is that goes as well for vegans but vegans predominantly is if it hasn't hurt an animal then it's vegan and also um for example i consider myself more plant-based in terms of i i'm not a big fan of some of the ultra processed vegan products even though they're vegan i don't think that they're always good for the environment yeah so i would rather sort of focus on where things come from source things locally if possible seasonally if possible and look at the source of where my food comes from and also consider things like sustainability and soil health which is which is which are super important to me so um yeah i think it's it's okay. such a gray area though and it's so it's become quite complicated. There's so many terminologies. No, it
0: has. But also, like, I feel like I, I, I was with someone ages ago, and they got quite offended by me referring to them as vegan. Right. Um. So that's why I ask, because I sort of... It's sort of becoming that thing where you sort of don't really know... <laughs> like how to navigate you know for, for for me who I you know I I do sort of know the difference ish I didn't realize how sort of like much more based on like a mental mindset it was rather mm. than sort of it being listed officially as this is what is defined as plant-based this is what is defined as vegan but um I have I, I have been in conversations with people where they've been like I'm I, I I'm not vegan please don't talk to me as if I'm vegan and I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's... um but you know each to their own I guess but I just want to just before we sort of get more into present day because before you were in the food industry you were in the hotel industry and then the wellness so yes. do you feel like that gave you really good grounding to kind of then enter the food industry you know what was it about the food world that you, you so loved
1: I've had a lifelong passion for cooking and I've been cooking since I was six years old and loved everything about cooking and food. However, I didn't pursue it as a career because it kind of wasn't the dumb thing back then. And also my parents weren't very impressed. If I would go to chefing school, they'd be like, yeah, "Yeah, no, that's not happening. Mm. So the only way... Or the, the best way to sort of still be involved in the food industry was to go to hotel management school where you got those skill sets as well. So that, that's why I chose to go to, to sort of go down that career path. And I was front of house um, for many years until I had the opportunity to run my own retreats and thought, oh, why don't I cook on these retreats as well? And then absolutely fell in love with it. So sort of found my calling in terms of it just felt right. And it felt right for the first time in terms of a job. Um, So that's that's sort of the way it went for me Mm. (laughs) in
0: terms of. I mean, so what what year are we talking that you would have started the wellness retreats? Because you must have been one of sort of the first people to sort of start that. Yes, little industry which is fabulous. I've been on one before. It was the yeah. first week of my life.
1: <laughs> it, they're so good, aren't they? Uh yes. When I started running retreats, so my daughter is eight years old. It's nine years ago now. Oh, it was wow. just before I fell pregnant with her. So probably a year before that. Uh so nine years. Yes. I mean people thought I was nuts, especially friends and family. They were like, What are you doing? what's what's vegan cuisine why are you excluding gluten what and then sort of four four years into that career it obviously took off on a on a global aspect and then social media took off as well and that's sort of how uh, recipe development and brand relationships and that sort of thing took off so I guess right time right place but it was definitely not a thing in the beginning everybody Mm. thought didn't really know what I was doing. Mm,
0: now they're laughing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I uh, really admire about you is that you've been quite open um, with regards to some of the health issues that you had, been, were suffering from sort of pre-having your lovely daughter, um, including polycystic ovary syndrome, endometriosis. And you've kind of said that that was also another reason why perhaps you looked into ways perhaps with your diet to kind of slightly change things within your body. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, th- I really do think there is something to be said that the gut really is the epicenter of everything. Yeah. Like, I really do believe it. Um, you know, whether it be that it affects our mental health, our physical health, any other ailments that we may, you know, encounter along the way?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, it's something I talk a little bit about, but um, yeah, I, when I started out uh, cooking and running the wellness retreats, I also found out I had PCOS and endometriosis and was. Pretty much told that the likelihood of me having children was not going to happen. Um, and it was at the same time as I started cooking on the retreats. So I started sort of doing my own research and digging around. And I also made a lot of shifts in my life, not just from a food perspective, but from an exercise perspective, from a mental perspective. So there were a lot of changing motions that happened during a period of time. So I don't like to say, "Oh, I turned vegan and gluten free, and I got pregnant seven months later, and it was a miracle." Because I don't think that's. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably be making a lot more money if I said that, but <laughs> I'm I, not I, going I to. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that's the case. I think it's uh It's sort of a moving part, a a lot of moving parts that took place. But, yes, I did do my own research. I did take lots of supplements. I started exercising. I cut a few things out from a food perspective. But I I sort of did a 160 in terms of my life and my lifestyle. And all of those moving things, I think, made an impact. And I did get Mm -hmm. pregnant seven months into my journey, um, which I was told wasn't going to happen. So, and I think we go through cycles with and it's hormonal health and female health, and that changes on a yearly basis the, the from from an age perspective as well. so this was nine years ago, and I'm entering a different cycle hormonally now and I'm figuring things out that what works for me on a personal level and what doesn't and um that's why it's important to also pinpoint that what worked for me might not work for everyone else but it definitely I think it definitely helps to look at what you're eating what you're doing you know sleep exercise and food are sort of three pillars that matter a lot Mm.
0: and it all and it also entwined with each other as well you know a hundred you know I find the night if I've had a really big heavy meal I've noticed that if I'm eating something really oily I don't sleep well that night mm. like it's just a given that it's just not going to happen I've overindulged you know the sleeps are right off then you wake up the next day you feel like crap because you haven't slept you I'm feeling bloated and then it's sort of like it's a vicious cycle yeah absolutely <laughs> um something I mean you know obviously being a plant-based Chef, you know, there are a lot of people who are listening who are not plant-based. I have dabbled in it. I'm not fully plant-based, but I'm very much conscious of how much meat I eat, how much fish I consume. Um, For someone like myself, if I wanted to start increasing my uh my my plant-based side a little bit more what sort of tips would you give to someone who was wanting to even just embark on attempting to just enter in the first place you know for me one of the biggest things that I've found so difficult to give up even if I've done even if I've said oh you know what I'm just going to do a week of just you know trying to eat really clean Mm. plant-based is eggs eggs for me is like the thing that I just cannot separate from yeah so for people that sort of see it perhaps as a bit daunting sort of what are like the entry-level steps that they can take
1: I think we need to take away the stigma of of having having lots of rules imposed on ourselves in terms of if going fully plant-based doesn't work for you then what can you do better so Mm. if you are including eggs into your diet what are the best eggs that you can get hold of and do you have to have them every day, or can you have them a couple of times a week? So we can take that kind of step. And then increasing your plant-based intake is, I think the best way is to um, sign up to a veg veg and fruit box uh, that is hopefully seasonal and local. There are so many now that have popped up out of the woodwork in the last year or so, so anyone can do that in the UK. And it doesn't cost more than 20 to 30 quid a week. And you get a whole box of Mm. fruit and veg that uh, will also entice you to cook outside of your comfort zone. So if you're getting a butternut squash in your box, what do you do with that if you've never cooked with that before? Things like uh, swede I talk a lot about. Um, Even the humble vegetables like carrots and cabbage and kale and potatoes Uh, figuring out ways of incorporating those into your diet so when you've got a box to eat out of you can plan your meals and and cook more of those type of uh, veggies and include them as much as possible into your diet Uh, swapping things out maybe doing plant-based Monday to Friday and eating what you want on Saturday and Sunday but sourcing animal products really well and really going into the source of where your food comes from a good question to ask yourself i think is is this good for the soil is this good for the farmer how is this affecting how is this what i'm buying how is this affecting you know um the people around me or the people that i'm buying stuff from and you can do that Mm -hmm. with any type of product um and that is what true sustainability really means i think that word has been overused and overexposed in the last year or so everyone is using it willy-nilly but it means you know making a social economical and environmental impact and those things really matter
0: two things that i really um have sort of slightly changed my mind well no one of them has always been with me but one thing that i think is so important you know if you are a meat eater or you eat fish, whatever it is, I would rather now, and I've been like this probably for a while, but I would rather eat or go and buy a whole chicken that is a bit more expensive, Mm. maybe once every two weeks or once a week or whatever, rather than eating the, you know, not as good quality chicken every single day. You know, not only is that just better for everyone involved it's a happy chicken. Um, and the taste, you yeah. know, you can't compromise on taste number. One, and this was, that was my first point. The second point, which sort of, we haven't touched on, but sort of still goes into the whole sustainability conversation is I have a massive issue with food waste. And yes, I think this <laughs> has been massively highlighted this year. You know, when we went into lockdown, you know, just over a year ago, not even just on like a consumer level, but all the restaurants and the suppliers and the whole food chain were suddenly lumbered with so much produce, you know, what were they going to do with it? And then you have, you know, people out there stockpiling and the supermarkets are empty. And it's like, what has happened to civilization? Like there's a, there's a massive breakdown here. And I actually, um, I had a conversation with someone else (laughs) recently, And um, we were talking about this idea of food waste and how there really is just absolutely no excuse anymore, especially within a household. You know, just because your courgette is even a little bit moldy at one end, you chop it off, you you, you cut it up and you mix it into something else. Or, you know, do a tray bake, shove all your slightly floppy vegetables and, you know, it's just unacceptable like I feel very you can see I feel very very strongly about this (laughs) I 100%
1: agree with you You know we we Um, can't
0: live like everything is just there at our beck and call all the time
1: no not at all and I think I mean the waste not aspect was ingrained in me from a very early age and Mm. probably because I grew up in East Africa and when I moved to Sweden my my grandmother was a very green fingered lady and preserved and saved everything. So, on that note, actually, I've done a whole series uh, that's running this month on my Instagram about waste not recipes um, and tips and Good. tricks. Um, because that's just been ingrained. That's just been a very big part of who I am um, from a very early age. In in Africa, you sort of we had a big pantry. You had to make use out of every single bit. Yes, my dad hunted, but everything was used and utilised to its best ability. Mm. And no, there's definitely no excuse. And we as consumers have a huge responsibility um, to take action because it's not just the supermarkets and the suppliers. On that note, actually, what you were saying of including more plant-based into your diet, I think the other thing that's really important is cooking for yourself because you know exactly what goes into your pot, because you can turn plant-based or vegan and just go to a supermarket and replace all your daily essentials with, um, I don't have anything against packaged or processed foods, but you can do that and go that way or go to KFC and McDonald's and eat their vegan versions. Or you can cook for yourself, which Mm. is one of the healthiest things that you can do because you know exactly what goes into your pot um when you're cooking for your family as well and you're engaging with food and that's something that we it's sort of diminishing in the sense because we're not living next to our grandmothers and next to our families where things are passed down um so cooking together is is a huge thing that has to do with community and and also from a from a health perspective
0: I mentioned uh in the intro that you have got two cookbooks well now three um which the two that you have so far are happy food and seven day vegan challenge which I think both offer really um accessible sort of plant-based recipes was that quite important for you kind of off the back of starting all of these retreats and then doing these books that it was kind of again kind of talking about especially with people who are wanting to maybe turn to a plant-based diet that you keep it as sort of simple and as easy for them
1: yeah a hundred percent I would say that happy food was sort of my first baby it was it's it's a collection of all my recipes that I cooked for clients and on wellness retreats so they're slightly more involved but still have sort of staple ingredients And then I did Seven Day Vegan Challenge, where I completely simplified even more and used ingredients that you can find in any supermarket and really sort of scaled back on ingredients and really focused on making vegetables the hero ingredients. And with the third book, I've gone a step further and I've included um, gluten or flour, so that it's even more accessible to even more people because not everybody is gluten-free. So it's massively important for me to make sure that anyone can go into a supermarket and uh, that doesn't have access to veg boxes or anything like that Um, and to be able to cook a nice meal.
0: And also actually on the flip side, before I start literally having every supermarket like put me on their blacklist, (laughs) like what a time to be alive as well. You know, the supermarkets these days are not like the supermarkets when I was growing up. You know, what you can buy in terms of ingredients in a supermarket now is unbelievable. Yes. I remember when I was about, we're talking even maybe 13 years ago, I remember, no, not even 10 years ago. I remember going to New York to stay with a friend who was vegan and at the time I was like oh my god she's vegan like what what's happening what does this even mean what am I going to eat when I go to her house like this is so bizarre and I remember and whatever she served me something during the week and it was fine it was lovely I remember coming back to London and there was nothing. In my local supermarket, absolutely nothing. You know, New York and LA were so way ahead oh, yeah. of us by like a like miles. Whereas nowadays, you go into your local Sainsbury's or whatever, and it's like you know they they have good, good stuff in there.
1: Hundred percent, yeah, definitely. A I lot mean, of stuff. Yeah, you can very easily switch mm. diets and sort of dabble into it. And there's, uh, yeah, and also even farmers markets, farmers markets, supermarkets. Are incredibly well stocked with mm. um, with
0: products, for sure. What What has your relationship with food been like throughout your life?
1: I think growing up wise, my my East Africa phase was great because it was all very naturally sourced. When I moved to Sweden, although I have to say the only thing about that when I was growing up in East Africa was. Um, drinking fizzy drinks. So Coca-Cola, Sprite, Fanta was something that I drank. I drank that like water. And the reason for doing that actually was uh, to get clean water, you first had to boil it. Then you put it in one of these tanks. And in that tank, you then added extra chemicals so that it was clean and it just tasted funny. So, mm. all the way through me growing up, I used to drink fizzy drinks, just as if I wouldn't drink water that just wouldn't happen, which is really odd, thinking about I've thought about this back on this and and the reason was uh access to clean water and wow. the fact that it didn't taste very nice. Um, so that was probably the only thing that wasn't great. And then moving to Sweden, we sort of discovered pre-packaged foods, which was a complete and utter revelation. It's probably like, you know, in the 50s when all these packaged foods came and it was convenient um, from a family perspective if two parents were working, etc. Mm, so we got into that stage and we were like, wow, pre-packaged pizzas. And so that's probably not a great sort of healthy stage. Mm. Um unless my grandmother was staying with us and cooking from scratch, and which she was great at. And then we've got sort of the other period before I got into the wellness industry, where I was working in food and beverage, which was a super unhealthy industry to be in. Um, I mean, I used to be an avid smoker, because the only way you could get a break was if you went out and had a cigarette. So I'd smoke, oh you know, okay. loved, yeah. loved it at the time um, and also would drink lots of fizzy drinks because they're on tap and my eating habits habits weren't great. So when I did that transition in terms of getting into the wellness industry and changing my food habits, that was a massive thing because my food habits previous to that weren't the greatest Mm. So making all of those changes were huge in terms Mm. of, you know, quitting sugary drinks, not smoking, all of those things. All of those things mattered when you put them all together. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'd say even though I was interested in health in my early 20s, I didn't sort of go full into it because I was still in the food and beverage industry, which was pretty, pretty unhealthy at the time.
0: Nowadays, what would you say was a normal day in food for you?
1: In terms of why I eat? Yeah. Um, it completely depends. Now that the weather is getting uh, hotter, I in the mornings I like savoury breakfasts. So my go-to is toast. I love toast. It's such a great vessel. You can put something savoury on top. You can put quite a lot of things on top of toast. Um, and sometimes we eat three times a day sometimes twice a day so it depends on what I'm working on as well if I've got lots of leftovers in the fridge from shoots then I'll eat those or if I'm recipe testing (laughs) I'll I'll eat that Um, which is what
0: have been um, some of your specialities over the past year
1: that I've cooked at home.
0: Yeah, like what are some of your specialities at home when you're oh cooking my gosh. for the family? Oh so, my gosh.
1: So we do, on Fridays we do taco night. So we do like a selection of everyone's favourite toppings. And then on... What's yours? Oh my gosh. Um, it completely <laughs> depends. I mean, avocado, <laughs> always. Uh, beanie things. Um, lots of vegetables. So depending on what we've got in um nice love dressings so yes. anything creamy with a you know dolloped on top mm-hmm. uh we're gonna get into tomato season soon so love love tomato salads and things like that um saturdays we do pizza night because we've got a little Ooh. we've got a little uh what are they called rock box for a little pizza oven okay cool so we've not ordered takeaway pizza for a whole year because you just wow. can't it's uh yeah, yeah, yeah. so easy to do at home yeah so we do that on a weekly basis as well yeah i guess those are two ta- two highlights which are great
0: god your weekends sound very fun <laughs> food related <laughs> of course always <laughs> where are some of your favorite restaurants to eat at um oh my
1: gosh so i'm going to fallow today uh yeah. it's one of our absolute favorite places to go to they're huge on sustainability and it's an omnivorous menu but they've got everything for everyone um and it's really well sourced um and where else we've booked in lots of places uh, Rochelle Canteen
0: yes is amazing lovely. in East
1: London uh Jolene is fantastic also, oh, I'm
0: desperate to try Jolene. It's
1: really good, yeah. really, really good. Uh, love Trello, Padella. Oh, I love
0: it there. Oh. floor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's loads of places.
0: She's got a good, solid list there. I like that. Yes,
1: booked <laughs> everywhere for the next three months, solidly, so that we've got something to look forward to every week.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I finish my conversations with a few quick-fire questions. Brilliant. So what is your favorite flavor of crisps oh gosh um salt and vinegar <gasps> yay nice or
1: truffle oh they're these truffle crisps that are very good
0: are you talking about those spanish ones yes those That's, ones they're very good they're very they're very, 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 good. very good they really really hit the spot what is the craziest food you've ever eaten
1: probably like Deep-fried, selection of deep-fried insects when I was in Vietnam.
0: Lovely. Mm. Tasty? Mm. Crispy.
1: Doesn't Crispy. taste of anything, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're so small that by the time they're deep-fried, it's probably just like a bit of batter or oil or something. Doesn't isn't taste it? of anything. Yeah, it was a nothing. very, very long time ago, but yes, selection of those. What has been your most memorable meal?
1: I think anything in Bali. Is really good. I'd have to say.
0: I'm desperate to go there. Oh my god! I was meant to have my honeymoon there. That got cancelled. Oh, food, <laughs> food is incredible in Bali. Like yeah. off the hook good. Mm. I know. I've seen the photos. <laughs> what food sums up happiness for you?
1: Oh my gosh! Um, I love toast. I've said this in so many interviews. It's just. It's so comforting, and there's so many different options. Just love it.
0: And are you making your own bread at home? I am not. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I love how you said that. I was like, I thought you'd say (laughs) I am.
1: (laughs) No. I I do this though. I so when I'm in Dalston, which is uh, where where my hairdresser is. I go to, uh, what's it called? The Dusty Knuckle. They've got amazing oh, sourdough. Oh
0: my God, that place. That's so
1: good. So I'll go there, I'll get it sliced and I'll get a couple of loaves and I'll take them home and freeze them. Yeah. Uh, or if I'm in another part of town, I'll go to another bakery and I'll do exactly the same so that there's like a rotation of really good bread available all the time. <laughs> Um, so no and also my incredible assistant Nicole uh, who lives three minutes from me does amazing sourdough so
0: <laughs> oh perfect well sh- she can deal with that then perfect final question live to eat or eat to live
1: L- live to eat of course of
0: course <laughs> I was hard
1: <laughs> to think about that when I was like well, I know it? it always it always trips people up
0: I've had a lot of I have had a lot of answers actually over the past with people who who eat to live and there's absolutely nothing wrong in that but it, it's it's a very different mindset I think.
1: Yeah, to, no. To
0: living to eat,
1: obsessed with food. Unfortunately, it's just it's a. I'm very lucky because my husband is, is um, loves food as well. So all of our holidays, everything is food related always, and as it yeah, should be, as it should oh. be of course.
0: Bettina thank you so so much for coming on it's been so interesting talking to you and I feel like actually the one thing I've taken from this is to slightly change the mindset when it comes to wanting to eat a little bit more plants plant-based should I say um, and continue to inspire us all yeah 100 percent. you can follow bettina <laughs> on social media at bettinas underscore kitchen until next time thank you for tuning in if you love what you hear please subscribe and review don't forget to follow me on instagram at crazy sexy food and check out the crazy sexy food youtube channel until next time bye